Hi, this is Jennifer Zeman, your host of The Food That Binds. I'm a restaurant critic and food writer based in Atlanta with over 15 years of experience. This is my curated collection of F&B folks that fascinate me in both Atlanta and beyond. Today's guest is Chef Brian So. Hi, Brian. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Can you please introduce yourself to listeners who may not know who Brian So is? Uh, yeah, I'm a chef owner of a spring restaurant in Marietta. Um, we're small. I think we're down to like 32 seats right now or something. So we're just a small restaurant in Marietta. And um, that's pretty much all I do. I just focus on spring and, and cooking. And you're from uh, Georgia, right? Yeah, I was born in um, Riverdale, but I spent most of my childhood growing up in um, Kennesaw. And I remember when I interviewed you a long time ago, I think it was like for Atlanta Magazine or something, when you first opened Spring, uh, you chose opening Spring on near Marietta Square because it was so close to your community that you had grown up with. Is that right? Um, yeah, and that's just home. Um, it's where I'd imagine, you know, living for you know, my adult life and settling down. And um, at that point, I had just gotten married to um, literally like a couple months before we opened um, the restaurant. Um, so yeah, I'd spent the years prior kind of um, in culinary school in New York. I worked in San Francisco. I worked in West Palm Beach, worked in New York for a little bit while I was in culinary school. And um, I just always long to be home <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's just kind of the person I am um, and there's um, really you know I thought this was a good opportunity to open something small and um, you know something um, just bring something into you know my hometown that you know hasn't been there before. And what year was that that you opened spring? 2016 I want to say. And since then you've been nominated for James Beard Awards, highlighted in Bon Appetit, Conde Nast Traveler, Zagat, Eater. I mean, it goes on and on and on. You've gotten a lot of accolades. What was that like? <laughs> it was, I couldn't even, it was all great. And I think <laughs> you had, I think you had the first real nice write-up um, that, that I can recall in the Atlanta Magazine. Um, that, that really boosted our, our confidence there. But really, it just it was just a whirlwind. Like, it was so crazy the first couple of years. Um, I mean, we opened the restaurant with, it was just myself and my wife. Um, we had no money. We had, we thought we knew what we were doing, but we really didn't have any clue <laughs> we were getting ourselves into. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, it seems like, Pretty much just a few months after we opened, we started, I think, the Atlanta Magazine, you you wrote us up in that, and um, things just kind of kept falling in place after that. And then the Bon Appetit was the, the biggest one um, that really, you know, um, started getting us a lot busier. And um, we just didn't have the time to really even take a moment to breathe and, and, and enjoy all that. We just... <laughs> Uh, you know going because you're you work in a restaurant <laughs> yeah. and, uh, i mean that's just that it was just so i mean it was we didn't at that point we didn't really have a, a team to lean on um it was just us doing 
every single thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wish we had a little more time to reflect on it and appreciate that that time period more because it was it was um, it was great. And then, but it was just um, we really, to be honest, we didn't even have time to even enjoy it too much. But um, yeah, I do want to talk about current day and COVID and just what it's been like, you know, for all the years since you opened up. But I, I want to learn more about you as a chef, and I'm sure my listeners do too. And I'd like to like rewind it just all the way back to kind of, I love asking chefs this question in particular, mm-hmm. but like, when did you know food was going to be a thing for you? Um, I don't, my mom told me and, and my brother says this all the time it's like when i was a child i would come home from school and i would watch food network just <laughs> and that was before i was interested in cooking or or food or anything um at my house i think we really only ate like um korean food all the time um i grew up with my grandmother living with us and my mom who are both korean and so we i didn't really have any exposure to anything besides korean food um are both of your parents korean or just your mom yeah both of them are korean um but um i think i just like started watching cooking shows on tv um i remember like emerald was the biggest one i used to, i don't know why i guess because oh he like, was the og he was like yeah, the first. Was, uh, i think there was a, a bit of like in, entertainment in the show as well not just cooking but um i used to just watch it and 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 just kind of imagine what everything they're cooking tasted like or or you know because it's so different than anything that i ate at my house um and then sooner or later i just started like asking my mom to buy me stuff and then i would just start trying stuff out in the kitchen um this had to have been probably sometime in like fourth or fifth grade maybe even um and i would just start cooking things and I'm sure none of it was very good, but um, it was different than what I'd ever eaten um, otherwise. So, um, so I started, that's kind of when like the interest started, I guess. Um, but then how I got into actual, you know, restaurant is I think the same as most other chefs is just, you just need a job at some point. Um, so it was my junior year in high school and um, I just started washing dishes at this um, Japanese restaurant um, that was nearby my house. And from washing dishes, you just you know um, move on to prep, move on to cooking. Um, just kind of, that's just how the majority of restaurants work. You just kind of move your way up little by little. And then, um, after that, uh, I graduated high school. I was still working in the, the restaurant cooking. Um, and then I, I enrolled at Kennesaw State. Um, I was never really good at school or really interested in school, to be honest. Um, and then I just realized I just, if ever I had to work more, like pick up a shift or anything like that, I would just I would gladly just skip school. <laughs> um, and then, so like, I just, came to the realization that I just care a lot more about working and, and cooking. And at that point, I wasn't really, I didn't really know anything about the restaurant world besides that one restaurant that I worked in. Um, but I just realized like, you know, I, I like cooking. I like restaurants. Um, I do not like school. 
Um, so I dropped out of uh, college and then uh, worked for, um, I think, about a year just saving money to go to Culinary Institute of America in um, High Park, New York. And what restaurants did you work in um, after culinary school? After culinary school, I went to uh, um, West Palm Beach. I worked at um, the Breakers, um, which was a hotel um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. down there in, in West Palm Beach. Um, really just to kind of see, like, uh, I wanted to see um, what else there was besides restaurants, because that's all I'd really known at that point. Um, and I, I quickly learned um, the environment that I absolutely don't want to work in, which is <laughs> hotels. Um, uh, it just was uh, pretty depressing. <laughs> I mean, they did everything great, and then they were their standards were high and everything, but it was just, you know, not what I was looking for. Um, it's a volume game. I think they yeah, take every, they, they took me in culinary school. They, like, took us through, yeah. like, the whole thing. We're like, well, if you want a career in hotels, it's a great yeah. Volume and just just numbers and just um yeah if anything if you want a spatula you have to run it up like the whole <laughs> the whole line all the way to the top and wait a month for it you know like it's or if you wanted to make a uh, a menu change or something like it, it's just was um not my cup of tea um so from there i moved to san francisco um and then i i got a a stage position at um at Qual at Daniel Patterson mm -hmm. Restaurant, mm -hmm. um, and also at um, Bennu, um, Corey Lee's restaurant out there. Okay. So I spent about a year out there, um, and then I, I was planning on taking a position at Qual, but um, at that point, I think my father passed away um, back home, so I, I came back home instead. Um, and then from there, um, I started working at uh, One Year Stag. Um, and then from there, uh, I just kind of, that's kind of where I started kind of planning, you know, what, what my own restaurant would look like and what I'd want to do. And uh, I didn't realize you were at One Year Stag. I love that restaurant. I missed that restaurant. Yeah. It was yeah, such it was a, such an important restaurant from Robert Phelan. Um, but like in your in your career in your life, was there somebody that like stoked a curiosity for food for you, or or even just your love of cooking? Um, I think um, not so much cooking. I didn't I didn't really learn any cooking from my grandmother. Um, but just I just remember being at home and, and more so I think in Korean culture like everything like you you greet somebody by asking them like have you eaten like that's saying hello <laughs> or like i love that you and <laughs> when you're sitting down for dinner with your whole family all you're talking about is um oh what are you making for dinner tomorrow or, <laughs> um or you know my grandmother would be asking oh how's how's the kimchi today how's the soup today how's everything and um so i just like always have these fond memories and really vivid memories of just like food always being just the center of um all conversation and really just the center of like just life in general it's just like everything is just uh, centered around you know what we're going to eat what do you feel like eating i was um 
Brian's birthday. Brian likes you know, cabbage. So that's what's like, <laughs> like you know, everything is like uh, everything was revolved around food. Um, but um, cooking, I think, just like I said earlier, like just I don't know why else I gravitated so much towards, you know, like watching cooking shows and stuff. But um, I think I kind of like I kind of got my interest in, in cooking going a little bit more. And and it's uh, what was it like growing up Korean in Kennesaw in the South? Well, I even I remember living in Riverdale, and then every um, Sunday we would drive out. We would go to Buford Highway Farmers Market and get everything we needed for the whole week. Um, and I just remember that was like literally we never skipped a week. Like it was, it was every Sunday, and that's quite a drive from from Riverdale. Oh yeah, that's um, like, like an hour <laughs> yeah. at least. And, um, so yeah, I mean, there were times where I hated that, you know, when I was a child. But you know, I would just be sleeping on the car on the way on the way back because it'd take it'd be like a day trip to go out there. But that's kind of how important like food was to to our family. And um, so yeah, we just and, and I mean. I think it's been discussed a lot lately, like just like the Korean experience. I know like David Chang talks about it a lot and just like the kind of the almost like a little like embarrassment when you're younger, you know, like the, the stinky fermented food and and not wanting your friends to come over and see, you know, the kimchi in the fridge and that's what's that. And so there, there was that, you know, there was um, a degree of like just, you know, nobody else, nobody else's house smells like fermented cabbage <laughs> um, uh, when I walk in, you know. Um, so there was that little bit of like, um, I guess that that level of somewhat like embarrassment or someone just like not wanting to be different. Um, but I think once I kind of got into like high school and all that, I, I quickly got over that. Like, um, I just don't really care anymore. Um, but, but you still yeah. like, I have always found it interesting that when you opened your restaurant, like there's not really a lot of, at least like evidently on the paper, like a lot of Korean dishes on it. You went very, you know, modern, I don't want to say modern American. I hate labeling anyone's cuisine because it's always evolving. But I mean, it's like so farmer centric, so produce driven, like really simple. Um, but, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's some of the most, some of the most balanced food I've had in Atlanta um, and yeah, in recent memory still. Um, you have this thing with balance that's amazing. Uh, why did you choose to not have a Korean restaurant? Um, I think my, my love of cooking, like I said, never really stemmed from Korean cooking. That's just mm. so my love of food. Um, what I always liked about cooking and enjoyed was, you know, the, the technique behind it and, you know, French technique and everything you learn in culinary school and just over just refinement, refinement, refinement and balance. And that's just kind of like what at the time like I, I was more interested in is just like just uh cooking kind of what I've been trained, um, trained in, you know, like just French technique and uh, more American food. And um there's that aspect, like I just I just never really cook Korean food, to be honest, at that point. Um, and also, uh, the restaurant I worked at right before then was I was at Soban, um, which um, was like kind of like a Korean, um, American, like 
southern like um uh what's it called um like uh just some um, um, mix of korean and southern food i guess um and i remember like i just never really um enjoyed like having to think of like oh like is this korean enough is this american mm -hmm. enough is this anything like that never really interested me um it was kind of draining to always kind of think like that um and so you just cooked what naturally came to me i don't think that korean chefs should have to cook korean food yeah. if you want to have an italian restaurant go ahead you know i mean most I'm of the sure. cooks yeah. cooking all the food in the kitchens are mexican anyway i mean it's you know <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're from but i just found that it was an interesting choice you know because yeah, that's, where, that's where my interest lied is in that my the style of cooking that we do at spring and um I just didn't also want to really, um, like, I guess for lack of better, like, I just didn't want to like bastardize any Korean <laughs> dishes or anything that, that I've, all that I love so much, you know, by, you know, trying to make it fit into the format of, you know, a, a non-Korean restaurant. But during the pandemic, you did have uh, Brian and Spring yeah. did these amazing ready-made meal kits um with minimal cooking during the pandemic and one of the weeks was all korean dishes um which i didn't get and i'm still kicking myself but but i mean it does really show those especially to me showed your range as a chef i mean it's amazing to me your beef wellington christmas meal has become like the go-to meal for all of my christian friends for like their christmas eve dinners they get it immediately when it goes out Brian makes this beautiful beef wellington with sides and all the trimmings that you like bake at home. Um, it was really interesting to watch the way that you operated during the pandemic. I feel like you are one of the first restaurants to really start offering prepared food at a fine dining level in a way. Like the, the stuff that you were making was not only like homey, but also very elegant. Can you talk about that and just the past two years, what that was like for you as a person, um, from a mental health perspective, if you're comfortable as a as an owner? Um, I would love to hear what it was like for you. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but um, um, the food we just wanted to do something that was we could be proud of um, that reflected who we were as, as a restaurant, you know, in normal times. And we didn't want to do anything that, um, we didn't want to sacrifice quality in, in any way possible. And honestly, it was um, for the first month or so, maybe or a couple months, it was actually a little bit fun to, you know, always change it up and kind of think about the restaurant in, in a different way. And then, you know, just test things out. Um, but obviously, as the pandemic um, kept ravaging on and on and on, longer than any one of us has had expected, um, yeah, it started. It quickly got to, you know, um, just depression, just being depressed and being <laughs> frightened for your restaurant, frightened for your staff, frightened for everyone, and um, just like just constant state of just worry and and depression and then it was 
pretty severe there for a little while, to be honest. Um, it, was, it was hard to get through, especially for us. We're a small restaurant and we don't have um, any, you know, financial backing. Um, it's just us. Um, and um, so we just really have to try anything to, to try to, I mean, no one was making money, but to try to not lose money. Um, so it was, uh, it was tough, um, but our team rolled with every, every you know, um, obstacle that, that came our way. And I think we're probably some of the proudest stuff we've done is, is during the pandemic, like just, um, yeah, just uh, it was a challenge. And, and looking back, I, I, I'm proud of what we did, but. You um, should be, it was beautiful food. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, the Korean food, as you were saying earlier, is funny because um, right before the pandemic, we were, me and my business partner now, Daniel, we were so close to, to opening a second restaurant and it was going to be a, just a Korean, it was going to be a Korean restaurant. Um, just uh, like a- Oh man, a, a <laughs> that's tough to hear. <laughs> Korean's one of my top three uh, cuisines and having you have your own Korean restaurant, yeah. I would probably just so go bonkers. We had actually already gone to, to developing recipes and everything. Uh, and it literally, we had the space, but it literally just came back like um, the the budget. We we're, Me and Daniel were just like, you know, if it's a penny over our budget, we're gonna not do it because there's so many nightmare stories of, you know, people opening yeah, restaurants yeah, and yeah. getting over their heads. So. We were very adamant about like, okay, this is our budget. If we can't make it work, is where it's gonna be a no. And so it came back. It was you know probably tens of thousands over a budget, which a lot of people would scoff at that and just say, okay, that's in, in the big scheme of things, that's nothing. But but we stuck stuck to our guns and we we just said, okay, well, we we promised ourselves we weren't gonna do this if it's not within budget, so we're not gonna do it. And then literally like two weeks later, um, first cases of COVID started coming into the U.S. and uh, so we we dodged a bullet there. Um, oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like divine intervention in a way that you were so strict yeah. with your budget. Gosh! But then the reason why we started doing those the the Korean meals because uh, we had these recipes we've been working on, <laughs> and then we, we had nothing to show for it, and so we were just like, okay, let's just start let's serve Korean every three. I think we were doing like every it was once a month, like for a week, uh, one week a month, we were doing like a whole Korean. Um, dish to go and and that's like I said earlier like we didn't do any um, we didn't Americanize it at all we we made it strictly 100% Korean just like we would have served it at our, our Korean restaurant um, so yeah um, that's so what about now I mean like where are you guys today um, you know how many how, you, you mentioned at the beginning of an interview that you have it seems like you implied that you have fewer seats than you used to have. You said 32-ish? Yeah, we were used to be at 46, I think. Mm-hmm. That number now, but um, so when you had, during the pandemic, we obviously had to scale all the way back to zero indoor dining. And then as we started um, reopening slowly and slowly and slowly, I think we just kind of found our sweet spot where we stopped adding more tables back in. Mm. Um, mainly because of staffing. Um, I think like, I think uh, pre-pandemic, uh, we were very busy, um, but we'd have to be overstaffed in order just to have enough staff for a Friday, Saturday. And um, 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was really, I mean, they were somewhat busy, but not, not as busy as they should be, but that's pretty much everyone. So we had to carry so much staff just to get through these two days. And, and the prep schedule in the back of the house was just ridiculous. Like we don't have any, our refrigeration space is non-existent. Everything is just, we, we have no space at all. So like we'd have to, you know, prep all week just to prep up for a, a busy Friday. And then Saturday we'd have nothing. <laughs> and I would have to like just get everything done on Saturday. And it was not, it was, um, not efficient at all and we were just like that's that at that point that, that was probably the highest level of stress that i was i was at um but we just realized like okay well we're gonna slowly start adding seats back and then we kind of found a sweet spot at about 33 seats where we can really carry just the staff that we need um we can probably take care of them a little bit better and uh, what we found is a, a huge surprise which was great is that you know like okay, we, we can't do, you know, 115 covers on a Friday and Saturday, um, you know, with this many seats, but those, those covers that we lose um, on Friday, Saturday, we found that they just redistribute throughout the week. Um, so if people can't find a Friday, Saturday table at the time they want, then they'll, we just find that they pretty much gladly just take a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday table. And so, instead of this business where it's just so up and down and just uh, it's just so crazy and stressful, we just found that with less seats, we can have uh, a more manageable staff and just the whole operation is just more of a nice flow and more natural. And it's just, uh, it's been really great. One thing I, rem I think I remember, please correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a few years <laughs> since you opened and I read about you, but I think I remember you telling me because your kitchen is so limited, and what it can hold that all that means that you have to make so much stuff from scratch um or that you're just constantly producing like a la minute i don't know if that's right um please correct me if i'm wrong i just i thought i remembered that mm, well we are yeah we i mean we do make everything from our breads to, to everything we do is from scratch um pasta even your butter right even uh, the butter not not so much anymore we're getting from banner butter right now um it's hard to beat banner butter it's hard to find, yeah it's hard to find um the getting our quality cream has been tough a lot of the dairies um have been going out of business and then so we haven't been able to find uh, the quantity of, of cream we want and the quality to, to make our own butter still um but yeah, I think um, I think more so the, from from the size of our kitchen, from that standpoint, it's um, we really just have we have one oven, we have a seventy-two inch hood with all of our stoves under it, and so like I think that I think I think I remember what I was saying to you is that just because of those limitations, we have to be creative in how we can um, serve people to the highest quality and 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 it kind of our, our menu is very much so dictated by our equipment and how we can execute in such a small kitchen um so but also your menu is is so i mean i pulled it up before we got on the phone just to see you know what what you have right now and yeah. i mean i one of the things i just i loved about you as a chef was like 
that or, or that I still love about you as a chef um, is that you just have such a connection to the ingredients, and I especially love how you use Georgia ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like you have a really masterful use of that palette. Uh, can you talk to your use of Georgia and just seasonal vegetables? Like I'm looking right now, it's like, guys, like, listen, there's like garganelli with green garlic cream, morels, favas, and Parmesan. You can't get a more springy <laughs> pasta dish. I mean, that sounds ridiculous. Um, can you talk about how you compose dishes um, and why produce is so important to you? Um, yeah. Uh, produce, we try to stay as local as possible, as, as much as possible, because it's just for no, really honestly, for no other reason that, you know, like produce does not travel well. And um, a tomato that was picked, you know, yesterday at full ripeness is not even comparable to something that was picked green, you know, a couple of weeks ago and allowed to ripen in the store. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, produce just, we stay local just because it, it has such a vibrancy and it tastes so much better than anything you can get, um, you know, through a distributor or anything. So we work with as many local farms as possible. Um, but really, we just, uh, our mindset always is just to let these products speak for themselves. We don't over manipulate anything. We don't, um, we don't have a heavy hand in, in seasoning or, or spices or, or anything like that. We just um, really just treat ingredients with as much respect as possible. Um, really just um, manipulate them as, as little as possible just to make, make it taste good. And then we just serve it. <laughs> and uh, we're making sure we're getting in fresh produce all the time. And um, yeah, we just, we just try to stay out of the way. We just do one or two things to enhance or, or to uh, bring out a little bit of flavor and then we just stop and, and serve it. But it's such an interesting way that you layer flavors, even if you are treating it simply and relying obviously on the amount of technique that your kitchen has. It, it, I mean, like, again, looking at your menu right now, like your beets and burrata, right? It could just be mm-hmm. beets and cheese, but then you also have chicory, blackberry, walnut, saba, pickled onion. Like these are not like, you know, average things you're going to get on your plate most of the time if we're just talking i mean there's plenty of guys doing simple food with local produce right but Mm -hmm. but yours you know you say to try to get out of the way but like it is also a bit ballsy is that is that that appropriate to say i mean like you know you just you you always add in something i think what i'm trying to get at is that it's unexpected and for someone who eats as much of this produce and buys the same produce it's it's refreshing to taste i don't know i guess it's a little funny to hear you say that because i always feel like i like you um, got like some major imposter syndrome over there or something <laughs> I don't, um, ballsy is weird because i don't feel like i i don't feel like i'm um especially a creative person at all um what? i think That's crazy i'm more of a technician and and 
I don't, You're a technician, you say? Yeah, a, food, just, a food technician? That's a first. Uh, yeah, um, that's a first. More, I just I just like the craft and then the actual technique behind cooking. Um, but I don't think that I really, I never really tried to put any focus on um, creating something that hasn't been done before or creating flavor profiles that, you know, like are interesting. I, I kind of- But yet you do. I kind of stick to what I think. Yeah, I mean, but in my mind, that salad makes complete sense. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I think I was trying to get out with my original question. You, I think, really understand, like, even the most subtle components of these ingredients that others may not, even myself, um, that you're able to be such a technician and pair them, knowing just from a data point of view that these make sense. Yeah, and I think subtlety is is a keyword that we really try to go for. I think that um, a lot of food these days, at least from the past few years, everything is just so in your face. And so, I mean, it's just like food on crack, you know? No, like, I mean, like so, if I have another beef tallow infused yeah. something, I can't, yeah. I can't anymore. Stop it. Um, I think yeah. that there is at the point where, you know, their diners are, are surprised that you can have something seemingly simple and, you know, not so in your face, but with, with the proper seasoning and just uh, the proper balance on the plate that these, a group of, you know, on one plate, just a few subtle things can result in something that is so harmonious and um, that, that actually surprises you. Um, and maybe they don't even know why they're really surprised, but um, it's just, um, yeah, just uh, a few, if you do a few things right on a plate, then and get the balance right. I think you know, most most everything works usually. So it's you know, like I said, and I've said a bunch of times, it's been a minute since I've talked to you, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's happened since then. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially in our world, like, do you still enjoy cooking and having a restaurant as much as you did? Because I know the you know the past couple of years took the shine off of the business for a lot of people who loved it in spite of how difficult it is. Yeah, I still love it. I think, um, to be honest, I, I think probably within this last month or so, I've really just, I think just now I'm starting to kind of get back into it with my heart, I guess, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. It sounds a little corny, but. No. For, for, the longest, for the longest time, like, with the pandemic like it was just strictly survival and um it was just it, it kind of just i just kind of withdrew from it for a little bit um it was just uh, a tough period to get through but um for these past month or so i feel myself feeling better and getting back into it and um yeah, I mean, it's, it's always challenging and if i always say if it wasn't covid it would have been something else it would have been there's always a hurdle you have to get over and there's always mm -hmm. obstacles in this business and it's just um it is tough and um but i think i learned mainly through the pandemic that i really have to just like i have to take care of myself a little bit better um as far as just because I, I i really do want longevity in this business and if i'm going at 100 miles an hour all the time that's just not it's not going to end well <laughs> <laughs> so um i've just kind of i think since the end of the we're, we're still in the pandemic but since we've opened back our dining room i think i've just kind of 
I've been consciously trying to um, take a little step back every now and then and not be so immersed in, mm-hmm. in the restaurant 24-7. And, um, are you able to do that at this point? Like, are things calm enough that you can do a little self-care? Yeah, I mean, I mean, compared to how it was pre-pandemic, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a lot more time off now. Like, I'm, I was there pre-pandemic before, like, when all the media and everything was going on, it was just crazy. I mean, there was days where I was there, you know, overnight, a couple nights in a row because we had to, you know, get, get prepped on and, um to be honest like i I, um i was thinking like why it's so hard to like step away for myself and a lot of chefs i guess Mm -hmm. i think it just comes down to like you know working that hard for those first few years and working like a madman like it, it did lead to success and um i think i was just like i realized that like I just have, like, I was scared to kind of step back a little bit because if, if I do that, then maybe the success will go away, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And so I always thought that I was, like, very disciplined and, you know, always working and always um, being in the kitchen, always doing everything right, the right way. But then I, I kind of came to a realization that, like, it's not, it's not, being non-disciplined to not do that like in order to get to the point where I can step away and I can you know trust my team a little bit more and all that like that that takes a further degree of of discipline that I'm striving for right now to you know make sure everything is done and that everything's in a row and 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 we don't skip a beat and quality doesn't go down like um that just takes I think uh, I think that's kind of what I'm striving for right now is like just (laughs) trying to figure that out how I can um spend a little more time with my family and friends and whatnot and, and still um run the restaurant you know to where i'm happy with what we're doing it's gotta both it's gotta both be easier and harder when you only have one restaurant and it's such a small intimate space to step away but yeah. but i mean with your restaurant something i've always wondered you know uh, um having a restaurant in marietta in such like if people don't know where Brian's restaurant is it's right on the outskirts of Marietta Square in the middle of you know Cobb County which is like super conservative like you know what was that like the past couple of years with all the AAPI stuff going on and you know were people were people kind did they still treat you the same well yeah our our base clientele has always had our back and always like they're they're awesome and I find for the majority, the majority of people are, are kind and respectful. But obviously, you know, we have had the assholes that, for whatever reason, they 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 want to take all their anger out on us for wearing masks <laughs> or not having our dining room open. Or, I mean, I remember like we just had one call, like when we were doing takeout, they wanted to make a reservation, and they're like, "Well, our dining room's closed. We're only doing to go." And then they just started yelling and saying, well, this is America. This is a free country. This is a... And I was like, okay, Whoa. well, if it's a free country, then I can do what I want, right? Like, I can... <laughs> I can't, I can't, it doesn't just work 
and uh, or, like it doesn't work just for you. You know, like I, I can make the best decisions that I think are for my business and for my staff and everything. And and it's a free country, so you should be happy that I'm exercising my freedom, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's just we've had a handful of those those experiences, but honestly, like a lot less than uh, I anticipated. Um, yeah, because you just yeah. hear with all these, especially the ITP restaurants, just a lot of people got hit with like crazy behavior. And like, yeah. I mean, I just saw people having to cancel events because they just didn't want to deal mm-hmm. um, or or just the way that patrons were responding. Like I saw that Evergreen Butcher and Baker, they were going to do like a donut pop up and people were acting wild. So they're like, you know what? We're not going to do the donut pop up anymore because people don't know how to behave and we're not going to stress ourselves out. And I was like, good for you. Um, but your, your, your customer base has been a community for you from, from what I gather though. I mean, like it's, it's, it is a very, I mean, I've seen you reference it in other pieces that you're very grateful for your customers, um, not only during the pandemic, but before, um, because I do think it's, it's a very specific kind of customer who's going to come and eat your food because it's just so special. You know, I mean, it's not like you're going to grab a greasy cheeseburger. Yeah, and the um, fact that we're in Marietta and there's really, for for our type of dining, there's really no, um, nothing else up here. So it's true. You do have the market cornered up there. Yeah, I, I never thought about that. <laughs> no, a lot of guests that live up here that would otherwise, you know, make the trip um, ITP on a Friday, Saturday, they eat and whatnot. They, they just appreciate that they have an option. Um up here where you know they could just cross the street and, and get to us so are you i also saw in some piece that you referenced that you love being able to like live so close to your restaurants that you can just walk around or are, are you you know still considering opening another restaurant and if you do would it also be in marietta yeah so the, <laughs> i love living I, I hate i mean i'm right now i'm 10 minutes away and i think i'm too far <laughs> I, I hate driving as soon as I get behind the wheel, I just start falling asleep. Um, but honestly, that uh, that Korean restaurant I talked about earlier, that was going to be in the middle of Marriott Square. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that opened up. And um, it's funny, like, I I don't know why, but I was walking around one night after service. I, it must have been like after a bad service or something because I never really walk around. Um, but I, I was just walking around and it was it was dark outside it was like a friday or saturday so there was a lot of people walking around and it just like i was just in one of these little on the side streets on the square and i was like oh this could be like you know, it kind of reminded me of like a little bit of new york or san francisco like if you don't if you just focus on one spot you know with, with the old like historic mm-hmm. building and stuff mm-hmm. and that kind of reminded me of like a chinatown area or that just popped in my mind and i just like imagined um what would it be like if there was just huge korean signage with with no um further context given oh my <laughs> god that's a, dope just a, <laughs> just a legit like just 100% unapologetically korean restaurant right in the middle of this as you said just the widest <laughs> um I mean, it looks like it looks like something out of a movie, like a Lifetime movie or Hallmark yeah. movie, the town square, you know, I mean, I mean they, they, exactly they that. every year there's a Hallmark, literally a Hallmark. movie. Well, there you go. See, look, I'm I, I'm a good scouter, a location scouter. 
I just that had that vision just like never left my mind. I got kind of obsessed with it, like like more just for the amusement of it. Like, what would this look like if if there's just huge Korean neon site like signage and in the middle of Marietta Square, and there was just a, a, a legit Korean restaurant there. Um, and so we just we pursued it, um, and luckily, like I said, it, it fell through at the last minute. At, good timing for us right before the pandemic but um i think right now we're we're a little bit spooked to try to open another restaurant because uh with with everything that went on these couple of years like we just realized how how fragile the the whole industry is and um we're just right now i don't think we're we're in a place where we're looking to actively open another restaurant because we're we're still just trying to get ours back on track here I, it's crazy when I start like looking at all the restaurants that opened during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's so many. It's wild. Um, what a time to be opening a restaurant. So I can't, I can't blame you for wanting to put a pause on it. But what, but what is next for you? I have to assume since spring is nigh, you have a new menu. Yeah, we just changed our menu um, a week and a half or two weeks ago. So we've been running the spring menu, but. Uh, spring menu always well the spring menu always is the shortest lived because in Georgia we go from winter to summer um pretty fast. Spring is sadly pretty short. So before we know it, we're gonna have peaches and tomatoes and all that stuff. And and this weather's gonna be too hot for any peas and spring vegetables here in a little bit. So um the spring menu is always my favorite every year. It's always the most exciting. Um and this one we're we're particularly proud of, I think. Um, but in the blink of an eye, we're going to be moving on to summer menu and we're going to have to figure that out. So uh, <laughs> I much thought of yet, so. if you're going to eat something for comfort, what do you eat? Probably, uh, carbichim, Korean, like just braised short ribs, Korean braised short ribs. Um, that's a little bit sweet. Um, just white rice and kimchi and, and that's, that's it really, <laughs> um, that's probably the most comforting food I can I can think of right now off the top of my head. Now I really want to eat your kalbi chip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, yeah, my favorite food though that, that that I can eat the most often is I, mean, I can eat pizza every day. So I am like I. Um, but back to you, is there anything that you would like to promote? Any events? Any special menus? Any organizations? Um, and where can people follow you? and keep up with your, uh, what you're doing you can follow us at spring marietta on instagram although we don't <laughs> we don't update too often um to be honest as much as we should but if there's any big news or any events or anything we all will update it there um events outside of the restaurant none that i can think of right now uh, for the most part to be honest i try to steer clear of <laughs> most things um outside of the restaurant um it's just a level of stress that i try to <laughs> try to avoid um that's not yeah nothing just my one and only focus has been and so is my small restaurant spring in marietta and um that's the only thing i have to plug i guess (laughs) and if you want to make a reservation you can do it on the website website. Um, and you're and you're open how many days a week uh tuesday to saturday five through nine yeah all right. Well, it's a definite must visit listeners. It is one of my favorite, favorite places to eat in Atlanta. Top 10, at least. 
Um, and I really appreciate you as a chef in person, and I appreciate your time. Me too. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's this week's episode. Thank you to Brian for joining me, and thank you to you for listening. You want to keep up with me, you can catch me as Jennifer Zeman or The Food That Binds on Instagram and Twitter. Again, this has been Jennifer Zeman of The Food That Binds. Thanks for listening.